Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 70. I'm Michael John Simpson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If you sign up for the free trial at audibletrial.com slash something2xp, it won't cost you anything extra, and they'll give us a little something in return. Help us out, won't you? This episode is comedian Dax Jordan. I met Dax whilst recording the podcast with Virginia Jones. We talked about comedy, stand-up, improv, TV, and representation. Volare! Here's episode 70 of the Something Something Experience. All right. We got a little Rodney there for a second. All right. All right. That was the new single by Oasis. I hate the 90s. Um, yeah, like, like, yeah, making fun of Rodney Bingheimer. That's, that's some timely comedy right there. Um, <laughs> I think I actually know Rodney Bingheimer. You don't know Rodney Bingheimer, the, the mayor of the Sunset Strip? Wow, he, he, uh, he was a fixture in Los Angeles radio forever. He was, he was a radio, well, he started off as a, as a, as a groupie chaser, uh, during the 60s. Oh, huh. yeah, yeah, like what a, a like a what gu- a like a guy that would the guy that would hang out with bands, trying to get and, to the um, groupies. Yeah, yeah, trying to get to the groupies. He would hang out with bands uh, in Los Angeles and also in England too. And so he knew all these people. He knew Bowie. He knew he knew all these um, huge the, the uh, Robert Plant and I mean just all these guys. Uh, the guys in the Monkees. Uh, uh, um, just uh, the bird, you know. I, I think the birds, the, like all these '60s bands. He was just like a, a guy who hung out and went to these concerts and hung out with groupies and and you know chatted wow. up girls and stuff. And then he eventually got into parlayed that into like a radio career and and started amassing this music collection. And he wound up in there's actually a documentary about him called The Mayor of Sunset Strip. And um, and it was uh, I think it was one of the K Rock guys who did the documentary or who who directed it or whatever, but. And he wound up in L.A. radio. And Rodney Bingheimer's pretty much responsible, like, single-handedly for the second British invasion during the 90s. Your your Britpop invasion. Oh, wow. Of, of Blur, Oasis, uh, uh, um, uh, Pulp, and, you know, all those, uh, you know, and all the, the shoegazer bands. And, I mean, he's the one who listened to those bands knew those bands and was playing them on the radio on k-rock in the 90s he's pretty much responsible for the fact Crazy. that we know who all those people are wow all these bands that were huge in england and and you know bush and, and just all these bands and nobody knew who they were and then he started playing all this music and then mtv latched onto it in the 90s and that's how we got you know the alternative wave of the 90s wow and how that actually happened and, and, and then he became famous and had groupies, and then people hang out to get to his groupies. When they, and then there's the <laughs> well, and that's layers the thing of, about him, though. He <laughs> still kind of, kind of, you know, lounges in obscurity or you know lingers in obscurity. He he's a you know shy guy living in a little shithole with no money, and and he's just just this guy who like who loves music, and and he's kind of this kind of pathetic, sad character. I mean, pathetic in the traditional sense, not in the yeah. negative sense, but yeah. but he's. And and yeah, he's kind of like a like a sad, lonely figure who did all this stuff, and who a lot of musicians really owe their careers to. And he's kind of been one of those unsung people who kind of behind the scenes people. It's really kind of sad. Very interesting. But he has this really 
slogan. All right, really mellow kind of voice. And I'll have to look up. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Rodney Bingenheimer. Uh, Ralph, Ralph Garman on K Rock was always doing Rodney because oh, for yeah. a long time Rodney was still doing the Rodney on the Rock show Sunday nights. Uh, they kept moving him to later and later time slots and stuff and, and things. But um, yeah. Anyway, comedy. <laughs> um, I've been hearing your name pop up a lot. Um, Are we recording? Oh, yeah, we've been recording for three and a half minutes. Oh, okay. I don't believe in pomp and circumstances. Just, Great. Just start talking. Um, nice. Uh, that's why I'm I didn't know how this microphone worked. Um, it's just going to pick up well in general? A, there's just a diaphragm whatever. in there, and it moves back and forth, and it's attached to so a So you're telling me electromagnetism is involved somehow? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Well, it seems like voodoo to me. It is. Voodoo. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we go into a whole Bob and Bob Mortimer bit from... Uh, anyway, um... I've been hearing your name pop up a lot on other podcasts. Um, Cation and, and Kill Martin mentioned you on uh, Jackie and Laurie's show like a couple weeks ago oh. about some gig you were doing or some <laughs> thing you were doing with a bunch of other comedians or something. And so, and of course, I know you because we met at Virginia Jones's fabulous estate, right, um, in, the, in the Silver Lakes. Silver right, Lakes. I, I, yeah. When I uh, I was I was subletting around town and ended up living about three hundred feet from her for. About six I would months. imagine living 300 feet from Virginia Jones would be like, like being close to divinity of some fashion. Oh, I think no, I'm. You're serious. absolutely right. I'm. I think Virginia <laughs> Jones is one of the most fabulous people I've ever met in my entire life. I yeah, think she is an entire. She's a singularity. She's one of those people who she's, is completely, utterly authentic and unique. Yeah, and she's no a reality like unto her, her own. Unbelievably cool. And I'm, yeah. I'm friends with her roommate. Uh, we hang out at, at the at the karaoke place with Andrew and uh, another previous podcast. It's all it's all this yeah. podcast is like this thread that weaves through all these people and connections and things. And we hang out at the, nice. the at Andrew's karaoke bar. And Andrew was like one of the first guests we ever had way back a long time ago. So yeah, so. I'm I'm mad at Los Angeles for not having made Virginia a star yet. I know, but I feel like it's it's a function of the current times we're in. Yeah, that nobody can figure out. How to how you can see someone with talent, and 10, 15, 20 years ago, you used to still be able to say, "Okay, I see that talent. I know what I could do with that. I have something I can plug that into. Yes. I have a system in sure. place to take a star person like that and it, give them routes." But now, isn't it weird? Not we're really in, that. we're generally in the thick, and some people would even say toward the backside of a second great comedy wave, yeah. comedy boom, yeah. like giant comedy boom wave, For sure. but. Nobody's making any money doing it. No, uh-uh. and it Absolutely sucks. Not. It's. Uh, I think that that second comedy boom was the result of uh, the DIY mentality, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. combined with uh, when the economy crashed. Because I was, I started in two thousand uh, before the second comedy boom started booming, and uh, when the economy crashed, like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something mm-hmm. like that, all of a sudden. Everyone who had ever thought maybe stand up was on their bucket list was like, "Well, doing it. I'm unemployed. I, I'm on, you know, Might welfare well or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. collecting government checks. I'm just going to go try my hand at stand up. What else? You know, I can't. No one's going to. You can't stay on the job for more than a couple of years anyway. Right, so, right, right. Uh, so that really came on. Uh, and then the alt comics as well started uh, bucking the trend of the the club system 
and oh yeah, and yeah, all the alt rooms, like your yeah, nerd, the alt rooms. your nerd melts and your yeah, your and your room, little bar. room in the corner, your Largos and your room in the corner of a restaurant and your yeah, know, yeah, every bar I saw a comedy. At, there's what's some place on Ventura Boulevard called the something B, the the something the busy B or the lazy B or the B room or something like that. It was like the you know themed room yeah and it was just this little tiny corner of a little you know lip of a stage on the corner up by the window in front of a restaurant a little cafe yeah and saw it stand up there and saw who was it who was it um uh what's her name grace under fire uh, uh um shit what's her name brett oh brett uh what? yes can't remember her last name. Brett Butler. Brett Butler, yeah. yeah. She was doing stand-up there. Yeah. After the show after was the show. done. After her show was done, she was there doing stand-up. This was, God, this was 10, 12 years ago. But, yeah. But, yeah, and it was just, like, all these little tiny rooms and stuff. And, you know, when I moved to Los Angeles, I started doing improv. I was at, and I didn't do your Groundlings or your... your uh, uh, I.O. I.O. or any of those. Yeah. I was at... I was at <laughs> I was at L.A. Connection on the on the Boulevard, oh. Kent Scove's little tiny theater, obscure theater. Yeah, the only person that ever of any note that ever really came out of there was Vic Dunlop. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Remember him with the bug eyes? Yeah, he used to come through our Portland, the original Portland club. Yeah, you know, yeah. twice a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, are you from Portland as well? Yeah. So I was born in L.A., but we moved to Portland when I was about eleven. Oh, okay. And so I grew up. And Your parents Oregon. wanted to retire. Well, they wanted to. <laughs> they weren't that old enough at the time. Yeah. They weren't in their twenties yet. They couldn't no, retire. Exactly, yet. couldn't retire to Portland. Yeah, I, that whole thing it didn't exist either. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. it was literally kind of outside of Portland too, like oh, okay. suburbs way sure. outside of Portland, where sure. it was not at all cool or interesting. Right, right, um, right, right. But uh, yeah, we, so we we were up there, and so that's where I went to high school and college. Oh wow, okay, cool. Just moved back here now, nice. four or five years ago. So you started doing stand-up, you said, in 2000? Yeah, right in 2000, I decided, uh, you know, go to the open mic, see what happens, and start trickling your way up, cool. and start with a few minutes at a time, and then, I, yeah. you know, the local headliners are like, well, uh, you got a car? <laughs> <laughs> then, start driving! Then you get five minutes There's of stage a place time. There's you know, on the other side of Eugene, you need to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a two-hour drive, you'll yeah. get five minutes in front of a real audience. Yeah, and, we'll give you uh, 50 bucks. No. no, you're driving <laughs> to earn the stage time. Wow. wow. You, I'll pay the gas. Well, the, the, the headliner will pay the gas, but... Wow, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, so cool. uh, oh, you're driving the headliner. Okay, yeah. so you're, you're carpooling, and you're the one driving in your car, and they'll pay you gas, and then you get five minutes. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. I, that's an okay arrangement to get yeah. stage time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in front of a real crowd at a real gig, you know. So was this more of a, eh, I'll try it, or was this deep burning desire of things since childhood must must do must entertain people must make people laugh um because i have that i've yeah. just been stupidly lazy about not doing that thing oh right hmm. and now i'm at the point where virginia said something very important to me uh on the podcast and i haven't done stand-up since which is we don't need you <laughs> white male straight guy 45 yeah. The comedy world does not need me, and I almost yeah. feel like at this point it's like it's almost not. It would, it's unfair of me to even try because it's like <laughs> surely there's a female comic or a person of color or somebody else with a unique voice. That's of course yeah. I don't have your typical white 
dude voice. You know, I'm not going to get up and talk about how I can't get laid, and I don't, and and talk about how many hoodies I have. I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah. But I'm going to clearly you're getting mounds of pussy, and <laughs> you're just wearing a Doctor Who Nintendo shirt. Exactly. Exactly. You're, it's, you're very different. <laughs> very different. You do have a thing. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So I haven't been doing stand up. I still want to do stand up. I just haven't been doing it, and I've been kind of gun shy since then. And I haven't been. Well, what I I had this job, and I was. I, the people would say the most horrible, awful things about women and people of color and each other and homosexuals and blah, blah, blah. And I would frequently be that guy that would, you know, in the middle of the room hear something and go, really, guys, we need to be racist at 8.30? Can't wait till the coffee's in your system yet? Where the hell was this? Uh, it was at a mortgage finance company in uh, Moore Park, and I was working oh with a bunch gosh. of programmers. Oh. I was one of many, many engineers on a big, huge team of the the, the, the company, you know, the, the, yeah. the team that held the glue together of all the technology for the company. and. Yeah, and they just used to say the most horrible, horrible, shitty, heinous things. And I and I got to the point where conversations would stop when I would walk in the room. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I have to hear it. Good, yeah, yeah. So they're still going to think it. They're probably still going to say it. I just don't have to hear it. Right, you're just not part of their crew. Um, yeah, yeah. The the uh, the comedy crew is. It's it's funny how so everyone who just thinks they're being harmlessly funny with mm, whatever oh, of course. they say, of course. But then when just comedians get together. It's also the same thing. It They're is. also saying the most heinous, racist stuff. But it's almost like, well, you know what? Comedians are the only people who are doing it with the purest of, of course. intent. And of therefore course. should be allowed to do it. Well, it's it's more of a calling attention to it and calling it out. It's it's almost a form of like like intimate satire. Yeah. It's, it's not even necessarily for the benefit of anybody else. I mean, my favorite thing in the world is either standing around with funny people riffing... Or watching, stepping back and watching pe- funny people stand around and riff. Yeah, That's- which I don't get to see. Yeah, it's and stand-ups do it differently than uh, improv people do. Well, yeah. And I only kind of just realized it because a couple weekends ago I was part of this a new festival called the um, the Big Fire Comedy Festival. Okay, yeah. It was uh, out in the woods in Santa Clarita. Oh, um, that's my neighborhood. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. So there's this big city park. Um, mm-hmm. That they had never done anything overnight before. Was that at Central Park in uh, California? No, it was like this piece of land, East Walker Ranch. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And there's hiking trails and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a historical site. Yeah. yeah and, um, and there was a big flood there at some in the 19, early 1900s or something. Okay, probably. It looks like a floodplain. <laughs> so, um, and they, they had never done, allowed an overnight event before. And hmm. so these improv folks last year it wasn't at the same location but last year they did it somewhere on small scale a camp out overnight comedy festival oh yeah where you just set up a stage because they're also burning man people so they had these portable domes right and stuff and so they uh so now they made it a little bigger this year drugs and all yeah okay uh well (laughs) this was was more of a chance to bring the kind of do-it-yourself sure sure uh it's like a, a comedy festival, but that also appeals to the camping crowd mm. and a little bit of the that the outdoor festival crowd. Um, so yeah, so it was it was there was a stage just for improv, mm-hmm. and then ten minutes away down a trail, a stage just for uh, stand up, nice. And ten minutes away, another one down a trail for that sketch. sounds really cool. Actually. Yeah, it was super cool, and uh, it was a lot. I, I I applied for the festival, and then in the notes I told them, well, I work at the Hollywood Improv, I do sound, I do lights, I also work for a mobile DJ company, we rent lights and sound, and um, and here's my stand up clip, <laughs> and like sort yeah, of like, of course, okay, of yes, well, please perform. 
and if you want to volunteer and set stuff up, so they ended up renting equipment for my company. Nice. And, and nice. I got there the day before to help set everything up. And One hand washes so, the other. Nice. Yeah, so I ended up becoming kind of a part of the of the festival. But what was interesting is like the after party thing. You know, the comedy's done about midnight, and then there's this big camping ground where everyone camps, all the performers and people who just bought tickets, and so it's all just one big group. Um, it was kind of muddy because it had been rainy Friday and start of Saturday, but it just turned into like a big party and um, getting to see improv people hang out and party and different improv groups. It's very different that, than hanging out with the comedians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a certain kind of like uh, fun to it that stand-ups don't bring because stand-ups are all kind of these individualists usually. Right, 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 right. Kind of in our own heads in a certain way. Sure. And, um, it's fun to watch improv people just exist in a group, right? Freely, right. sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It's like free, free range. You know, you expect an Attenborough <laughs> VO. You know, it's like yeah. Here we see North American improv artists <laughs> in their natural habitat. Yes, they're just slightly <laughs> better versions of regular humans. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I know comedians have a tendency to yes and each other as well, but it's much more so because the whole thing with comedians standing around, they're yes anding each other, but they're not necessarily supporting one another. No. They're in there to get their own dig in, their own shot, their own tag in yeah. with each other, yeah. or even even shit on the other guy just because that's what you do. Uh, right. Yeah. But the improv people, they're trying to uplift each other and to to make the scene work. And exactly. even and even if that's not they're not on stage, they're still doing that. Yeah. Because that's just kind of the way they do things yeah. yeah it's it's great to watch and and uh so that was fun I, I kind of hadn't really realized that before yeah yeah uh there was always a part of me that thought that improv people were just too scared to be stand-ups and that was the main difference oh wow wow <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i've done stand-up and you know badly um but i, I uh uh, I've got YouTube clips as well from the pizza place I started doing stand-up at in Moorpark. Um, uh, I don't think I did. I don't know if I have a clip from Liquid Zoo or not. But but yeah, it was back to that thing you were talking about, about uh, comedians saying heinous racist shit like that. Ron Swallow has a bit about about other white guys thinking that he's just as shitty as they are and saying things to them and saying, no, no, it's not okay to say that to me. I'm not one of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make oh. no mistake. Yeah. I am not one of you. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, you started in the Portland. That's how you met Virginia and, and other people as well, I'm sure. Yeah. You're still... There's a whole uh, Portland crew that has moved down here, so oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's nice to have cool. those folks. Uh, Any, anyone else we know? Uh, Augie Smith, um, who, if you don't know, you should know. Cool. And if you don't know, yeah, you know. Yeah, he's one of the best unknowns. I mean, he's he's big in the Bob and Tom radio world. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. nobody in the L.A. market knows right, about right, unless right. they were yeah. happen to be radio professionals at some point. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, in mid midtown, mid-sized markets all over the country, oh, sure, he's sure, huge yeah. because yeah. he's a regular on the Bob and Tom. Um, and that made a big difference for him. But he's, he's kind of a ranter and his bits are long mm. and they're hardcore satire. So, A, it's hard for him to get on TV because it's hard to distill him down to four and a half minutes yeah, um, and B his satire runs so deep and on so many levels that a lot of audiences don't even necessarily get it right you know right um, almost like a Neil Hamburger level of like real <laughs> deep 
dark satire. Is, is yeah, it, is it as it's dark not, as Neil? It's okay. not as dark as Neil. It's not as inaccessible as Neil. Yeah, um, I love Neil. <laughs> absolutely, oh my absolutely. God. But you really, I mean, yeah. there's 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 com- there's comedians, and then there's well, there's comedy, and then there's comedy. You almost have to be a comedian or a, a comedy aficionado in order to get. I exactly. mean, Andy Kaufman when you were in yeah. the middle of it. I mean, Completely. there are a few of us who actually got the whole wrestling thing. My mom was just like, oh my God, this man's the worst chauvinist piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. And oh then the gosh. way he treats women, I'm like, mom, he's a comedian. This is, this is, this is a, a humor thing. You're not getting it. You don't understand. Of course, now everybody understands that, you know, yeah. Kaufman was, was just trolling the world. <laughs> and beautiful. that was, I mean, you know, he was almost like the original troll almost. And, and just... I keep expecting Trump to rip off a mask and be like, it's Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> or or yeah. Smuda. Or Smuda. Or Smuda. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Smuda shaved off the stash. <laughs> a, a, a couple of years ago, um, my now ex-wife, she was in New Orleans uh, working and met Tony Clifton. Oh, yeah. Eh, in, a, in a bar during the day. Uh-huh. Just was like, who is this guy? Wait a minute. But she kind of recognized it because she had watched sure. the Andy Kaufman the, movie. Right, yeah. right, right. And Man on the Moon with me. And so she went over and introduced, because he was in there with one of his, like, burlesque girls mm-hmm. and holding court. Of course. And, she, and, and she's like, who, what are, who are, you? What are you? What's happening here? And they got to talking, and, and he's, he found out she was a dancer and lives in Hollywood. And she's like, well, I'm doing a show at the comedy store. I need dancers. And come, come on down. Audition when, you, when we get back to town. So everyone got back to L.A. and she auditioned and became a part of the Tony Clifton review that was going a few years ago. Oh yeah, on Friday nights. Yeah, Tony Clifton's at big resurgence. Yeah, I remember seeing him on Green Room and I'm like, Clifton's still around? Holy shit! And yeah. is it Zamuda or who is it? I mean, who's who's in the who's in the? I can't tell you that. <laughs> you, how? What? As if I even knew. Oh yeah, all right. I mean, you don't. That's the, the giant question mark that I hangs mean, over Clifton's yeah, head. Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's Tony Clifton. Of it's course. Tony Clifton. It's Tony Clifton. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so he was doing a show, and I mean, he'd show up in character. So it's not like nope. I ever oh, would have yeah, had a chance yeah, to see. Yeah. That's um, deep, he, deep dive there. Yeah, we, yeah. Already drunk. Course, already in character. Of course. Um, yeah, and the shows were great, and. And uh, Max was an understudy at first, and then ended up getting a regular because there was like three or four dancing girls in the thing, as long as well as like a five-piece New Orleans brass band wow. with bass and keyboards yeah, yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah. And, and for rim shots and all that. Too. Yeah, for everything. Everything. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And he would just, you know, it was just a night of uh, dirty, horrible, racist <laughs> humor. And he had, you know, there were three black guys in his band, and he's just dropping the end bomb left and right, and they would have fake reactions to it. Oh and, my god! Uh, he'd just stop and say, "Hey, what do you call a short Mexican woman? Consuelo." <laughs> Wow. Yeah, and there was these hardcore fans that would come and sit in the front Just row every roll night on the floor. Yeah, and, and then he'd stop else. and do a song, a yeah. whole song, and Polari. Yeah. Oh, that's and then, great. And then that's great. The, the end of the night, the closing song was "Man on the Moon." Yeah. And just uh, it just brought the house down. Wow. You know, tears That's and great. oh yeah, it was. Uh, and there were little videos and fake interviews, and there was a cartoon somebody made, and it was just a heck of a show. And it was in the, the big room at the comedy store there, and it's you know I didn't know why it wasn't full every night. It's just so hard to get people in L.A. to come. Oh out yeah, yeah, stuff. LA, Nobody, everybody it's wants ridiculous. to be on their phone and sit or you know sit at home now and watch Netflix. Yeah, 
Yeah, but, but it was it, too busy Netflix. It was really beautiful to, to be a part of. I was running a spotlight too right. by the end of it. We're in the middle of a, of a comedy boom, and nobody goes out to see. <laughs> right? But yeah, especially at the. It's hard at the clubs because I'm it, it's myself, a pain in the ass. I'm mad at myself for not going and seeing Proops at Nerdmel on Friday because I had other plans. Uh, like, yeah. Shit, I should. I uh, and I try to see Proops whenever I can. Nice. I've yeah. had him on the sh- on the show and and. Um, I was bringing a genius. Bottle, bottle of vodka. He's amazing. Well, I started watching him on Who's Line, the English Who's Line back in the nineties. Totally. Yes, I 90s. remember that. The English and Who's Line yeah, was the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we were at Bar Lubitsch for mm-hmm. a proof cast back in November, right before Christmas, or right before Thanksgiving, Christmas, and um, Joel Murray came, and because they he does he does the kind of going out and doing improv thing around the country with Joel Murray and and uh, Jeff Davis and um, oh right and um, who's the other one? Sometimes they do it at at um, at Ryan Styles Club up in in, in uh, Washington. Washington, yeah, at the Bellingham Be- Bellingham Bell House. Um, I think it's the Bell House in Bellingham. Anyway. So sometimes they do it there, and so Ryan Stiles will play with them. But then other times they, um, God, there was just a picture of them on on Twitter, um, of them like all jumping in the air, except for Ryan Stiles was standing, and they were all jumping to get their heads up <laughs> the same height as him. But Joel Murray was in the was in the audience, you know, came and sat you know a couple seats over from us, you know, Bar Lou, which is a tiny little place. Yeah. And I got the balls up to go and give him my card, and he hit me up and had him on the podcast, and he's just the super coolest guy. Nice. So nice. you know, but yeah, this has been really kind of a cool thing of just being able to meet I mean I have no illusions about fame and fortune from this little dog and pony show mm-hmm. but it's just cool to sit and talk to people about their process and about why they do what they do and and yeah. and I've had some some people of note and I've had some people who are you know relatively obscure except to me because we're friends mm-hmm, yeah. but it's just it's cool to just have a reason to sit down and inter- and and have a de- a good conversation about stuff yeah hopefully people, we'll do and that ask people questions <laughs> wait what what uh, so where does your where did you said you okay so I'm just gonna try stand up but what what <laughs> What was the kind of the the impetus for you? Well, my entree into humor was my dad worked on the Dr. Demento show. Fantastic. I'm friends with Barrett Hanson on Facebook, and I've been trying Uh, to get up the balls to ask him to be on the show, too. Oh, there you go, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He's Uh, just a super nice guy. I used to listen to, I mean, I'm old, I used to listen to... Dr. Demento on the radio like at, after 10 o'clock on 10 mm-hmm. midnight on a you know whatever syndicated station it was on in in, in Denver and, oh, okay. and I would take I would tape it yeah take the tape with me in the morning and play tapes play songs I would get, <laughs> ask the teacher if I could put the tape recorder on the school uh, and play, play a dead song puppies for the sure, classroom dead puppies or a Bill Cosby <laughs> routine or whatever yeah amazing yeah, that show was it was such a, a big deal, and it was it was great. Um, it's yeah, a national my dad treasure. was the engineer on it. Um, Michael Jordan, the original. Holy shit, Jesus! You just blew my mind. <laughs> Your dad is Metric Mike Jordan. Yeah. Holy shit, dude! Hey, there we go. That's oh, the best response I've ever gotten from. Wow. <laughs> So that was, yeah, imagine, wow. imagine being around comedy to that level as a kid, but not stand-up. I wasn't really into stand-up as a kid. I just, it was like Weird Al or nothing. That was my whole comedy Jesus. life because I was just, just all Weird Al. just blew my mind. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. Nice. Yeah, that why is, would you? Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Wow, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, he's up in Portland. And he's, he's coming down in, uh, in June because he's best friends with this guitar player named Jennifer Batten who plays with Jeff Beck sometimes. Mm, and mm. Um, 
is on a couple of his albums and she's coming down to, to I think to do the Hollywood Bowl with Jeff and my dad's kind of her unofficial roadie so uh, <sighs> coming down to hang out and um, yeah so I grew up around uh, just Weird Al kind of stuff sure and, yeah because I, I was an only child and yeah it was I had too. I wasn't um, I wasn't into like popular music as a kid because my besides working on the adventure show my dad was a jazz drummer mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like I just you didn't have the exposure I d- yeah I didn't have the exposure I wasn't I didn't have any cool friends who were like into cool music and all I was familiar with was Weird Al and his parodies and I'm like oh this is just a guy who makes fun of regular stuff sure because regular stuff is stupid so you should you know do a funny version of it to make it of worth value. listening to yeah, oh, yeah, value. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah things didn't have value unless yeah. it, there was a goofy slant to it sure sure so that's what i grew up with and that, it's funny because that's weird al's newer stuff that's how i feel about it now because i'm not into modern pop music at all uh, yeah I, no, but i i was the target audience for weird al back in 1981 i mean i was heart listening to top 40 radio listening to you know music constantly music uh, was a huge you know the, the first MTV generation. Yeah. Even though we didn't have cable, I would go to other friends' house to watch MTV, <laughs> or we'd watch Friday night videos. Or in Denver, there was a local music video show on a on a public TV station, and I eventually wound up working for that, doing being a VJ and a, and a programmer for that. Nice. Um, but I was right target audience for for Weird Al because I knew all of the music he was parodying, and then and you know all the original nice. and all the and so I and I didn't know any of, of it. right, and I knew both of it, and so. Yeah, plus the videos and and everything else that was happening media wise, Doctor Nemento, things like that. It was kind of like the 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 last death throes of the old the old way of doing radio and marketing and all that. That all kind of changed in the '90s and eventually completely died off. And I mean, there's still radio and everything, but it just it's not this. Nothing's the same as the way it used to be before because yeah. of the availability of technology that everybody has. Yeah, yeah, they were all this was this common denominator that yeah, everyone could yeah, uh, associate yeah. with. Yeah, but I grew up in the '70s and '80s, and and so growing up in the '70s, you were very well aware of how things used to be, whereas now people who are growing up now, kids who are growing mm-hmm. up now don't have anything, any idea what the world was really like before computers, before smartphones, before, yeah, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, uh, you know, having a computer at home, having video game consoles that are, the you know, the pace of technology end. is so quick exactly. that there's only so many generations back they can even care about right from right right i mean stuff. forget the big thing for us was i'm not going to watch black and white movies that was the thing about, <laughs> that our generation was just like black and white movies how old passe old-fashioned is that yeah and some of us actually still do that and <laughs> dana gould um you know but um so we were kind of we were we would still be like okay we're watching carson we're up where our parents are letting us stay up late at night to watch carson and bob hope walks on right. or groucho marx comes in or jack benny comes in you know before he died in the 70s and and you we still seeing old showbiz and still seeing these people who were who were in the in the height of their power 40 years previous. Yeah, you know, there was know, still an easy bridge before between you were us. alive. Yeah. Right, and there was still that bridge, that gap between the old and the new. Yeah. And then at some point, like during the 80s, early 90s, it was just, this wall came down and everything before, everything that came before a certain point was just irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard because I'm uh, working at the, uh, at the improv now, being a stage manager and seeing all these shows. Um, 
like Charles Fleischer has been coming around a lot, oh, and he's this him. amazing oh, I love genius. Charles Fleischer, love he's him so great. And so I've been, you know, I've been quoting this one particular joke to other comics that are coming through, and I'm like, oh my god, Charles Fleischer came through. You know, voice of Roger Rabbit, but I knew him. Oh, way other before than that. that, way yeah. before that, yeah, yeah, because he's legendary, like Nikola Tesla level genius oh, yeah, person, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but even even these, you know, very smart comics that I know know their comedy history don't even really know and I'm like okay well here's here's a here's an example joke short joke that he's doing now this is this um, there are 86,400 seconds in a day there's a room in my house that has 86,400 clocks <laughs> every clock in that room is set to one of the seconds of the day so that there's a room in my house where it's all of the time all, all of the, the time, time. <laughs> That is awesome. His brain fires on a couple extra cylinders. And to have pre-written jokes <sighs> like that, but also to just be able to barrel onto stage, go from character to character, do crowd work. He can just do crowd he work can... and destroy for the hour. And then you give him a piano. Or yes, you give and then him the piano, harmonica, harmonica whatever, guitar, blues. Right. He, like, he'll in do, his soul, he'll... he's yes. an old black blues man. Yes, 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 yes. In his yes. soul. Yes, yes. In his I, mind, he's Stephen Hawking. And, I got and to... those two are trying to meet in a Robin Williams <sighs> vortex at his mouth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those people who... Yeah, he's up on that level. He's at that He's at that Robin Williams, that... Yeah. that, that yeah, he's at that level where the mind moves so much faster than the the, the world. Yeah, in these weird comedy realms. Yeah, and trying to explain yeah. him to all these younger comics, who sure. I even thought kind of should already at least know who he is. Yeah, um, yeah. there's this weird divide. Wayne Fetterman is constantly around the improv. Wayne's, Wayne's been on the, com- yeah, on the com- he, podcast. I love Wayne Yeah, Fetterman. he was on a show on, on Friday night, and just like you can just count on him to just no matter what, be so present in there yeah. and get the job done. He's so great. And he's so great. He's, he was great. He was. I, I, I hit. Wound up being able to hit up a lot of people at Podfest, at LA Podfest last uh, year. Okay, yeah. And I got Fetterman and Proops and Cation and um, all I could get out of Mar- all out of Marin was a picture, but uh, <laughs> and a sneer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that <laughs> I wanted to have you. Kirkman on, but her voice was was being wonky, so uh, she, she, she lost her voice. It. Yeah, but but then I saw Super Ego. Oh, oh man. God, man, those Genius. guys, those guys. So and I funny. went to the tenth, the, the ten year, the, the the farewell show at, the, at Largo. Oh wow! And um, got to see, um, got to see um, uh, Tallman, Chris Tallman, and who's um, his show just got a bunch of awards and blah blah blah. And uh, he's been on the podcast too. And um, I've been trying to get the super ego guys to come on, but if they're not, if they're if they're too busy to even be able to put on their own show, they're yeah. not going to do mine. Yeah, that's that's tough. But, yeah, th- it's been really cool kind of uh, playing leapfrog from person to person uh, with the podcast and being able to say, well, hey, I had so-and-so on, so come on, you know. Yeah. It's funny, I, I was at, I was out, uh, out out to dinner with a friend at Toy on Sunset, and we went across to Nerd Melt just to go poke around for a while. And it was it was it was meltdown night. It was Wednesday night, and I didn't didn't really didn't really register. And I got there, and the show was in full swing. You know, you could hear you could hear Kamal and 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 uh, and uh, um, Jonah Jonah in the back uh, doing their thing. 
And then, and I'm just standing back there and just kind of like, oh, who am I going to get to see? And then now comes Garofalo and then a couple other people. So Garofalo was in town. Nice. And up comes Ron Funches. I'm like, hey, Ron Funches. How are you? He goes, hey, how are you doing? I'm just like, I'm good. I, I, I have a podcast and I'm wondering if you'd like to be on my podcast. And he goes, well, I don't know you and I don't know anything about your podcast. Why don't you tell me about it? I'm like, well, we've had people like, you know, and I rattled off a bunch of people that he would know that I was like, well, I like all those people. Maybe you should start with that as your opener instead of being at your second line because I did not know anything about you or anything, but I'll, oh, I'll keep your card. Thank you. That's it was just one of those moments. It's like I just got kind of, kind of whittled down by Ron Funches. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It was cool. Nice. It was cool. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I you wanted can, to... You could open with my name with Ron. <laughs> there you go. He, yeah. He slept on my floor when he... Nice! came down here. Yeah. Because he, he came up in Portland. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, Although he lived in Salem most of the time. Hey, put in a uh, word for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, actually... I don't mean to star fuck or anything, but I would I would love to talk to your dad. Oh yeah, I yeah. think he would be w- interested in doing a. Pop- I think doing- he'd really like that. Really, I would yeah. love that. Yeah, because I'm I'm an old school comedy nerd and yeah. old school novelty music nerd too. Yeah, and I would like to come and listen because like I don't even know what questions to ask sometimes, or and he doesn't always always remember what stories he's told already. So sure, he may not trot him out. So every now and then I hear a story that I'm like. I've known you for 39 years. I'd, How come I've never heard both, this story? I'd happily have both of you on. I would just love to sit and pick his brain. Yeah. And I, I've been, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to get up the balls to talk to Barrett, to get Barrett to come on too. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he, I'm not on his fan page. He actually added me as a friend on Facebook. And I'm uh, like, whoa, nice. Dr. Demento added me on Facebook. It was nice. like the day that Margaret Cho added, you know, f- followed me on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and one day... Dana Gould, I'm totally fanning out right now, but <laughs> Dana Gould reposted, retweeted something because he did some kind of thing of about the death of Hitler and about how you know that Hitler was just a normal guy who had who you know he was just this this you know sweet curmudgeonly man that had a pair of a pair of uh, slippers he called my my wumpfies and I said. <laughs> Mine wumpies? And he's like, he posts and reposts. He's like, fucking hilarious. And I'm like, that day when one of your comic oh. idols retweets you on Twitter. Oh, dang, that's but beautiful. I mean, I, yeah. I used to just sit in the early 90s and just churn through hours and hours of, of co- the comedy channel before it was Comedy Central and yeah. watch stand up clips all day yeah. long. And Char- they always had Charles Fleischer and I mean, all these people. That's when I first fell in love with John Stewart when Charles he hosted Stewart. Short Attention Span yes. Theater. And I wish yes. I could remember who that girl was that co hosted it with them. Um, uh, but there it wasn't Rachel Sweet. She had her only thing. Tommy Sledge had Their chemistry his own was show. so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember who it is. And either. I was like, oh man. Yeah. But they used to just. Yeah, and Keitlinger had a show on there, and somebody else had a show. Wally Collins, yeah, all those, you know, a lot of those, and I'm sure a lot of those people are still working. I just heard Laura Keitlinger is still around. She, yeah, she yeah. comes by the club and does stand up, and yeah. still, I always up. liked her. Yeah, I just heard Ladman on. Um, who was talking to Ladman? Oh, it was on the Dork Forest. Ladman was on Dork oh, Forest. Good. They were talking about knitting, <laughs> uh, but I loved Ladman. Ladman did the whole bit about. Um, about the 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 Jesus, you know Jesus, and it's like you know Mary's like, of course I'm oh. not me. I've never had sex ever. <laughs> I haven't had sex ever. And it's like, oh, the, oh, the Wisemans. I hate the Wisemans. They always bring bad gifts. Myrrh. Oh, one can never have enough myrrh. Yeah, I'm sure Mary was polite. Oh, oh. myrrh. <laughs> yeah, yes. I love that. Bit. So great. Yeah, so great. Yeah, she she was on. Um, 
in the club recently. I think Phil Hendry had because mm. he's he started coming by to do stand up. At nice. first he was dropping in. God, and like, why don't I? Why do I not he's hang out at the comedy store all the time every the, day? The improv. <laughs> the improv. The improv. Yes, because uh, the comedy store is a pain in the ass to hang okay, out at. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, Phil Hendry. I think he he it was going like once a week. It might still be. Um, but yeah, he'd host and bring in friends, uh, and some of them are these old school comics. And, oh, so great. and he'd you know host for a while and throw some characters in there. Nice. Let's talk to Bobby Dooley. I've been trying to find a digital copy of the the Dennis Miller hosted Young Comedian special from like '87. Oh. That was just gold. Yeah, it was gold because it was Warren Thomas and. Um, and uh, Warren Thomas, um, he was from San Francisco. He came up. He came up the same time as Greg Proops, hmm. um, uh, and they. Um, he did a bunch of real kind of satirical type stuff, like um, uh, like was it Mike? Like Mike Tyson? He said Mike Tyson has a bad attitude. You know, this was back in the whole time when you know the whole Robin Gibbons thing and all that uh, stuff. Yeah. So it's like it's like people say Mike Tyson has a bad attitude. It's like when I got my student loan, I was a dickhead for a month. Come, you will all be my slaves. I must hear Brickhouse now. You know, <laughs> Commodore's music and hand jobs for all my men. <laughs> <laughs> Just from getting your student loan checks. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's funny. Imagine getting yeah, a million dollars I, for yeah. a fight. Yeah. But who else? It was Jen Karam. Jen Karam doing oh, the whole yeah. uh, the whole. Uh, um, was it? Oh, you know, you're in a. You got snooty women working at the, the counter at the department store, and she's like, and you know, she's like, she's like, mm, that looks really good on you. And it's just like, keep in mind that the fluorescent lighting in here is really unflattering. Yeah, like the sun's gonna be dimmer. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I do remember that. Or the uh, the whole working funny. out thing, like women at the. It's like I hate going to work out in the gym because there's all these guys like, hey little lady, they come up to you, you know, looking like they have an air hose up their ass, like, hey little lady, what you what you what you doing there? Doing this? Like, when did you learn to do all those exercises? Like you're gonna go, well, I don't know. I'm like my boyfriend on me, and I saw. Of things on TV and magazines. I'm too. I'm a girl. I'm too stupid to figure out things for myself. I don't even know how I got here. Will you buy me something? <laughs> <laughs> My wife and I do that bit back nice. and forth all the time. But I wanted to find that because Dennis Miller hosting, and then you got you got Rob Schneider and David Spade and Warren Thomas and Jan Karam, and then you got um uh, uh, uh um oh. I feel like they used to show this one on HBO. They did still, a lot. like even oh, within the last yeah. five or six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you had Robin, yeah. Rob Schneider doing Elvis on a fish hook, and all yeah, that. and, and David, David Spade, Spade doing the whole thing at the U two concert. Yeah, hey, Pinky Dick, it's no war. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, God, there was somebody else that was on there. It was just phenomenal. Hi everyone, Michael here with a special offer for you, the listeners of the Something Something Experience podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend Born Standing Up, A Comic's Life by Steve Martin. In the mid-1970s, Steve Martin exploded into the comedy scene. By 1978, he was the biggest concert draw in the history of stand-up. In 1981, he quit forever. Born Standing Up is, in his own words, the story of, quote, why I did stand-up and why I walked away, end quote. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash something2xp for your free audiobook. If you sign up using that URL, they'll give us a little something in return, and you'll be supporting an independent podcast just like that. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. 
Cameron Moore and Thomas was that Schneider. one with oh it was a uh, Drake Sather uh, right before he went to work for for Miller for Dennis right. Miller writing for the Dennis Miller show yeah and there was one other guy oh uh, uh Fred Stoller Fred Stoller oh yeah Fred Stoller yeah it's like like yeah uh, uh, you could uh. say you're a college graduate like I can't say it now <laughs> I'm a college gagagawa I'm a college gagagawa damn one more credit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, my head is uh, just full, it's, it's crammed just full. full of comedy quotes. It's a sickness, it's a yeah. disease. Yeah, once it comes out. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, and, and I think that's the thing with, with stand-ups. Like, we'll, we'll take it in, mm-hmm. and, like, I'll always want to remember one great joke of a person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in case I have to, like I did with the Charles Fleischer one, like, yes, give you an example, yes, like, yes, just give yes, you a yes, taste. Yes. I'm like, okay, this is Charles Fleischer. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. how he goes so that you can see him. But I almost don't like getting a laugh out of it, right? Because you're like, taking it away from so, you're taking their laugh, or you're still yeah, putting it on Yeah, because I'm so committed to right, just original the originality right. of right, it. Right, that right, that's, right, 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 right. Um, and I think that's a stand-up thing. Like we're definitely not the people who talk in movie quotes, you know, right? And that kind yeah, of thing. And, yeah, and I'm I, one of those nerds. Yeah. Um, but that's still entertaining, sure, and it's still sure. like it's it's a connecting thing. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the because those that's. We're all trying to be quoted, right? Right. You know, but you and that's why for your shit, not for somebody yeah, else's. Yeah, and when right. someone tells me they quoted one of my jokes to somebody, like I'll just pass out, like I've been on heroin <laughs> for a week. Yes. I'm like, oh, this is why I, I like, have. This is why I'm a human being. I have an <laughs> ultimate starfuck moment along those lines of quoting other people's stuff. Back, I don't know, ten, twelve years ago, something like that. They released. They did a, a, an anniversary release of Monty Python and the Holy Grail on DVD, and they showed it in theaters with the 30 seconds added back in around the uh, the castle anthrax uh, um, um, uh, scene. <clears throat> they uh, and so they showed it at the the New Art, mm-hmm. and Eric Idle and John Cleese come for this re-release thing because part of the press thing. What were the 30 seconds added back in? Oh, it's this whole thing of of. The Carol Cleveland turning to the camera going, I wasn't really sure about this scene. I mean, the boys liked it, but I mean, they were kind of argued about it. But I don't know. Oh, I guess I'm happy about this scene. And they, they continue on huh. her explaining to to uh, uh, Lancelot about, um, or not Lancelot, to um, uh, uh, Galahad about the cancel anthrax and what they do. You know, oh, yeah, bathing, okay. dressing, undressing, making exciting underwear. Yeah. So the geniuses at um, the New Art decided to have a... Uh, an all Los Angeles quote Monty Python and the Holy Grail competition a la the the Marcel uh, Proust one from the show right. and so they had us come up and do different things and they had advertised this and I decided to join it last minute and went up and had two minutes to basically summarize the movie and I was just doing so, so wow you, have, you were sweeting it you have that <laughs> thing where you're quoting movie stuff and yes that is entertaining and that's fun and it's a fun thing to do with people so you do that to a person great that's cool that's fun it's a thing that you interact you have fun then you have like a slightly larger group of people you know that's even you know ups, ups yeah. the echelon a little bit ups the level a little bit more then you're maybe at a party and suddenly boom for that moment shining moment you're the center of attention doing movie quotes or whatever and so that ups again then you get the thing where you're in a giant room full of people you got three four hundred people as an audience and you're doing this and they're laughing at you and you know and laughing along with you and everybody's on board and you're getting to do this thing and it's yeah. cool then you're doing it in front of the people who fucking wrote it and oh, started dude. it you're like ah 
you know, it was like one of those, and I have it on videotape too. Oh, wow. Somebody video videotaped tape. it. Ha. Somebody videotaped it, and I have a digital copy of it, and it's one of my proudest moments ever because wow. Cleese and Idol right there doing that for them, and it was just, oh, so great. Hilarious. So great. His hands were very soft. Anyway, oh, yeah, um, it's not like he's doing physical labor. <laughs> that's right. That's right. His, his daughter Camilla is out on the stand-up scene. Camilla Cleese or uh, or Idol? Is it Cleese? Cleese's daughter. Okay, cool. Yeah, John Cleese's daughter wow. is out. Yeah, she's doing stand-up. She's okay. Yeah, she. Nice. You can tell she has great instincts. Um, she's super tall and oh. super hot. Nice. Um, so I mean, being a super hot person can really not help in stand-up. Um. Just because people will help usher you along to next level positions before your stand up is ready, because you're Hot. an entertainment consumable. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think she'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty fun to see. Cool. John Cleese's daughter. One of the one of the sure signs of the apocalypse or the 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 starting of the downturn of the of the present comedy boom is. That Pamela Anderson has now decided to start doing. Stand-up. I saw a post about that, and of course, you know, it. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but it's a, it's one, yeah, but it's one of those things that it's like. Why don't they just call it a one woman show? Sure, I don't know. sure. Or why don't they just <laughs> not bother? I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's almost like cheating because I because I you know I know I've done open mics I know. And I've seen comedians, I've been around comedians, I've talked to comedians about how long they had to work to come up, how long they had to yeah. work and struggle and strive and drive other people across the country and blah, 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 yeah. just to be able to get up and get five minutes on stage. Yeah. And along comes Pam Anderson, yeah. a, known, a known property. I a think, lot of I comedians it... look down their nose at people like that. I mean, Marin, Marin there's this, uh, the famous thing of Marin kind of shitting on Hardwick at first. It's like, ah, you're this MTV guy. What are you doing doing stand-up? It's like, no, I was doing stand-up before I was doing the MTV thing. Well, right, I didn't know right. that, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, from a, I think if if you were of an old school mind of there's limited stage time and, like, you know, Marin, I'm sure, got bumped all the time back in the day. Oh, yeah. Some actor came in and, hey, you know, fucking John Travolta wants to do stand-up tonight, exactly. so you're bumped from your spot. Exactly. Then that's his spot for the week that's gone. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, there's plenty of stage time. Oh, yeah, that's true. I you're guess out I... there, it's fine if whoever wants to, if, if Pamela Anderson wants to come down to the improv and do 10 minutes and bumps you. It's, it's fine. You have another set that night. It's not going to disenfranchise all, You can right, go right next true. door to the lab. Yeah, I suppose that's that's the thing that's different now is is even in L.A., comedians are doing four or five sets a night. Or two it's three still sets possible to do more sets and yeah. there's more stage time. And, it's not quite yeah. to the level of New York where I think sometimes yeah. Louis does like like six, six goes up six times in a night or something. Or yeah. he was getting on the subway from Conan <laughs> in the middle and saying, oh, I'm going to lunch. Or, and, he'd go to, and he'd go to stand-up and come back you know, yeah. in the middle of writing for... Was it Conan? Or I don't remember who it was. Who was he Chris writing? Rock Show? Maybe. He was writing for somebody. Yeah. I thought it was Conan. Anyway, he was writing for somebody back then. But. Yeah, because like, oh, Pamela Anderson, if she was going to go up in L.A., she'd mm-hmm. probably go to the Improv. Right. Because that's the classiest place to go. Um, but if someone is also doing stand-up that same night at, you know, the open mic uh, upstairs at the China Palace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's just as much chance they're going to get seen by somebody in industry at that open mic as there is at the improv. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah, as yeah. much chance. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's, it really doesn't matter. Even even places like like Nerd Meld and stuff like that, there's people, yeah. there's industry people hanging yeah. out there too. So, exactly. So well, I mean, LA, pretty much anywhere you go in LA, you're going to have an partial, at least a partial industry crowd. Yeah, that's the, just kind of the way it is. Yeah, it's a war of attrition. You're just building up little bits of notoriety here right, and there, right, and hopefully right. having more good sets than bad. And and when, if Pamela Anderson takes her show on the road. Here's what's going to happen there. She let's say she gets booked for a week at uh, Helium, our main club up in Portland, mm-hmm, our good mm-hmm, one now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, people who've never been to that comedy club are all of a sudden going to go to that comedy club. Mm-hmm. They're going to see two local people open for Pamela Anderson. Then they're going to see Pamela Anderson eat it. So they're going to say, "Well, those two kids who opened were good, though." And, and hopefully go back and see them. Yeah, and they're going to be like, "Oh, and this or comedy down- club is cool." And now they're on the email list for the comedy club. And to me, it's like any any of these. And I, I, this is how I defended the Dane Cook thing when the backlash began. I'm like, okay, yeah, people are starting to figure out his formula and whatever. But he filled Madison Square Garden with people who don't go to stand-up comedy. And then they started seeing so much stand-up comedy after that that they got good at recognizing what was good stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. He created hundreds of thousands of comedy of fans. Fans, yeah. Yeah, he created, he created. He brought them into it with the rock and roll vibe. <clears throat> and now that's, I think that was probably part of the stand-up comedy boom. Yeah, yeah, you know, probably. People probably got right. to be drawn into it. Yeah, yeah. And then they became, it's like Thomas Kincaid. It's like, all right, so you bought a painting at the mall. You've never bought a painting in your entire life. But now you have a painting. Now you own a painting. Now you're an art owner. Now you're an art owner and more likely to go to an actual, oh, it's Art Walk. Let's go sure. to the Art Walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, oh, there's a local artist or right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, I, that's, a, that's actually really... That's a not oft heard positive spin on that whole thing. So that's that's good. That's I, good. Sometimes I accidentally see the positive side of things. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. I was trying. Yeah. To, I was trying to be shitty. I really I, was. I man. came up with that theory before my antidepressants kicked in. Even wow. I've always had wow. that particular nice. approach to that. Yeah, nice. yeah. Because it's cool. yeah, it's overall uh, all uh, all the ships are raised by a rising tide type situation yeah. uh, with Dane Cook, and he's at the Improv a lot. Um, and he's actually like he's funny. He's a funny person, right? Uh, his aggressive style turns off a lot of people, mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. turns on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But he's he's prolific. Yeah, his crowd work is great, and he never fails to Amuse. get a really Amuse. good reaction from the audience mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's just kind of an aggro bro dude. So yeah, yeah, if you yeah. can deal with that just as a person, right, you know, right. on the same way. At least Joe Rogan is more intellectually curious as a bro dude. True, true. Yeah. I mean, he, he I think, I think Rogan, just by virtue of, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if, if, if the bro dude-ness in him was him or if it was created by environmental factors or what but i mean because he wasn't that mu- as much that well I, mean, I guess i was acting and being a character on on uh, uh news radio i guess radio, um, yeah. but uh, so yeah no i mean that's a, yeah 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 kind of vacillating back and forth but yeah i mean he has a lot of important stuff to say yeah it's just sometimes yeah that voice is a voice that i tend to eschew because of yeah. my upbringing, who I am, because that voice was always the voice of the bully, the jerk, the guy yeah. who who you know that mistreat, and, mistreats people. In, and it's in great general. that he's having all these revelations about you know reality and 
and spirituality and everything, but it's hearing, you know, a guy in his 30s and 40s having these revelations uh, we had in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's mm-hmm. like, this is new to you? Okay, yeah. good. Okay, All right, cool. enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good, well, good. Yeah, yeah. Peri's cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm spirit uh. sciencing hard, bro. Spirit sciencing hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, so you're working at the improv doing kind of stage work stage managing yeah kind of give it, and, giving the light and keeping the time are you getting to go up and, on, on a regular yeah we're starting to do this fun thing because there's i'm working like five sometimes six nights a week because um, now that they opened up the lab again and they're packing that with shows mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and they also mm-hmm. have a podcast studio upstairs mm-hmm. and they're starting to go oh, late night too yeah um they're because they're owned by levity which has its own it's called the sideshow network uh, oh yeah podcast yeah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. so um and yeah, we're doing live sh- podcasts show was at la podcast yeah yeah uh, we're doing live podcast recordings in the lab as well nice so like if you Oh. Uh, let's say you got Dr. Demento to agree to be on, and you wanted to advertise it and you know have people come even for free or whatever. You think if you think you can get fifteen people to come to it, you know, email email the club and say like, hey, could we get the lab? It'll be it'll be like at five o'clock on a Tuesday, five five p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, because um, it has to be done, and we got to turn over the room to start right maybe to start a seven doing... o'clock show or something. Wow. But but that's an option now because we can record in there and it's and a couple of shows have been recording in there comics on comics and so i could um, actually have an audience for the podcast yeah an audience with a full bar in a nice little Holy a shit. fancy room but that you know wow. isn't uh i had really no idea I had yeah no idea. yeah so check that out um but yeah they're so busy they have a lot of stuff to do and so i've been working five six nights a week and uh it was just, i was there in december um just hanging out I uh, was hosting a show that Augie Smith was headlining, and mm-hmm. I had always made friends with the sound guys because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, growing up with a sound guy as sure, a dad, sure, I yeah, yeah, just yeah. gravitated towards that. And yeah. uh, I saw they were training somebody, and I'm like, hey, what the fuck? What? I didn't know you guys were hiring. <laughs> like, it made me mad. Yeah, I'm like, huh, I could do that. Why isn't that me? Pay me to be hanging out here. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we're hiring. Put in an application. And so Jamie Flam, who I'd made friends with, the booker there over the last couple of years, um, he helped fast track my application, and, and nice. boom, I'm in. Because I was also a satellite dish installer with my dad, and home theater, and so yeah. like I know I know wires, and I know this stuff, and I know comedy, and cool. So let's uh, let's do it. And they're not making me be like a doorman and a ticket window right, person right, right, and right, all right. that. Like everybody else usually has to kind of rotate through. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, so just running sound there and being part of the shows, and so some of the shows let me be an interactive part of it. Um, like Bobcat Goldthwait and mm. Caitlin Gill have a show now on Tuesday nights called Crab Apple. I've heard of that, and uh, it's a great lineup because you know it's friends of theirs, and yeah. Bobcat will bring like crazy old shit, and we'll play a video, and they're Bobcat and Caitlin are roommates, so they have a good chemistry, and um, so I'm in the booth, and like if if somebody you know mentions a song or something, I can real quick bring it up on YouTube and play a snippet in the right place, or That's cool. a sound effect if something's coming up, and. Because um, I understand their comic timing sure, and everything, sure, sure, and I know sure. when you something kinda... will be part of it, or when it will interfere with the flow, right, right. or like, oh, here's a great idea. Uh, the moment is past. Oh, will it come back? I'll I'll put that in a tab on the side in case the subject comes up again. You cool. know, those kind of 
almost like a radio show producer. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Third wheel person. So there's a couple of shows where I'm becoming a part of the show just through that. That's cool. Almost. Um, way to, I mean, way to find a niche, right? Way to find a, a real good way to carve out your own little, I mean, little it's, place. It's it was more just for me because it's like fun. Yeah. It's like, oh, this would be a of perfect course. time. Or even if it started like when during, you know, a stand-up would, you know, have a two-minute chunk about Beyonce. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, obviously their outro music is going to be single ladies or something. Right, right. You know, or they'll talk about how much they hate dubstep in a bit. And I'll... Yeah, 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 yeah as soon as they're off. Yeah, you just go to YouTube and, and write, <laughs> type in filthiest dubstep and then write, like, uh, Optimus Prime or something. <laughs> and it's the best. Yeah. yeah. I'm Optimus Prime. Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, shit, now I have to kill all my uh, hate dubstep jokes. So. Yeah, I, some of it is... I actually had a dubstep joke in my stand-up, ah, yeah. It's like there you go. Talking about, what was it, talking about my kid, and now he listens to dubstep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's moments like that where I got into it. I'm like, oh, okay, I think uh, it's fun to be a part of the show. So there's also a rule where if you're on the clock, you can't actually be on stage. Oh, okay. Because, like, for the open mic... Tonight, for instance, when I'm done working, I can hop on to the open mic whenever I want as an employee, as long as I'm off the clock. But uh, what we did start doing like a couple months ago is uh, the host, Ken Gar, will just say, okay, there's a rule you can't be on stage if you're on the clock, so Dax is going to get to do time from the sound booth. I'll turn, <laughs> I'll turn off the stage lights, turn off the lights by the back, and just lean forward and talk into my booth mic. <laughs> and people, just, people have to literally turn around 180 degrees. <laughs> And watch me do stand-up. Yeah. Not on stage. Yeah. Not on stage. Just doing it from the back. That's great. Uh, That's so there's great. little things like that in the lab that you can cool. kind of get away with. Because it's cool. a small, intimate, experimental yeah. lab. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. really developing. That whole room is developing, developing a, its own kind of personality. personality. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Jamie Flam, the artistic director, is the fancy name for Booker. He's, I mean, he's picking song lists you know he wants particular types of music played before during and after the show nice. the lighting we're experimenting should be just such like here's pre-show here's during the announcement here's during the show lighting they put a little um piano a little piano on stage mm-hmm. in the lab even just a tiny one and we only just lit that yesterday wow. uh, in so case galifianakis shows up and wants yeah to or wayne fetterman <laughs> fetterman that's true fetterman exactly. does piano too charles yeah. fleischer does piano. Oh, yeah, and yeah they've yeah. been on it like nice. all those guys have already utilized the piano in there uh, yeah. um yeah so the it's really taken on its own vibe we're starting to go late nights right because that was always a thing like Improv's done at midnight. And yeah, Fet- Fetterman was a real surprise for me. I mean, a that he agreed to do my podcast at the Podfest, but and but I only knew of him like as the not exactly guy, and you know that kind of stuff, commercial stuff, yeah, little bit things that he did here and there. I mean, that's he's kind of a character actor and all that too. And but I didn't know his stand up as much, and we started talking about that, and th- that was right before his retrospective stand up album dropped. And so we were able to talk about that and kind of segue into that, and that that wound up being a real good surprising thing. And and he's he's been really nice to me ever since then too. And and you know whenever I see him pop up on something, I'll be at the gym and you know the the, the elliptical has one of those TVs. Oh sure. And he'll pop up on an episode of something, and I'll t- I'll snap a picture with my phone and, and ah. say Fetterman sighting on Twitter or whatever. You know? Nice. So yeah. Or so, was he in that Willie Nelson? 
uh, yeah, the Geico, Geico commercial, commercial with yeah. Willie Nelson. Oh yeah. no, it was a uh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Rogers. Kenny I mean, Rogers. yeah, yeah. Um, but then he was also on. Uh, he's just been on so many shows, and especially yeah. recently, he's been on a lot of shows okay. too. So, so he's one of those guys that proves that it doesn't matter what generation of comedy you're from. Yeah, if you put in the effort to stay a part of the scene, you will be rewarded for yeah. it. Yeah, and I think a lot of guys they got so turned off by. What they thought the changing language of comedy and alternative comics, and they were they spent so much time rebelling against the fact that there was a change in the way audiences wanted to take in comedy because yeah. they're like, oh, I can skate by on my act from the '80s forever, right? It's like, no, yeah. no. I mean, yeah. and and you can't be mad that people two generations behind you use a different form of communication. They still like stand up. But it has to come at them slightly differently, right, right, right. and unless you're out there still a part of the scene to watch the changes, then they seem like insurmountable. Yeah. But guys like Wayne Fetterman and Dana Gould and Jake Johansson oh, and those Jake guys Johansson. who never checked out of the scene, they right. always kept one foot in it. Right. And they stayed Proops, in. Proops too. Proops absolutely. Proops, yeah. Proops has just become this this great rambler. I mean, he he just starts talking, and it's just. And, he just, and and then incorporating all of the the political stuff and the and the, the the things going on in the world and obituaries of people and that kind of thing and he's just and he and he he just has a way of talking about things mm-hmm. that and I find him to be a singularity too because yeah, totally. and and the, the 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 thing with comedy now is that for everything to come from within you instead of observing the world around you it's much more more channeling through who you are and and what your pain is and what your passion is and what you and really your personality has to the scent of your personality has to be all over everything that comes out of you in order to be perceived as genuine yeah. and that's the thing is authenticity and 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 coming off as genuine that's what people want now people have a bullshit meter and you know if they wanted bullshit they'd watch the kardashians you know if they want comedy they want something genuine and real that's coming out of somebody that's not just a jo- you know exactly. trying to get jokes yeah it's not that whole dana carvey thing of or not dana carvey uh dana gould thing of an impression of every comedian you know jerking off and saying love me on stage it's not about <laughs> that anymore yeah and that's that's something that like you used to be able to, to rely on uh all right, get good at stand-up, and then I'll have a stand-up career, and that's I can make a living at that. Like, well, that was a thing twenty years ago, right. but now, people, or I'll get a TV show, or yeah. I'll get something else, and it's like, no, not because necessarily. what, yeah, what, what the agents and everything, people who want to make money off of you, what they're looking for is an entire comic persona to sell. Yep. It, could he have his own podcast? Could he have a? Will he have an eight, a half-hour special? But also, could he be in a reality show and be a good guest? Uh, but he, could he also be in a sitcom? Eh, right. Could he be in a movie? You know, right. like Ron Funches type people. Sure, sure. People or just, Galifianakis. Or like, Galifianakis. Like, that's yeah. a prime example of of a guy who really had a unique voice and really had a unique the, of of doing that kind of Gary Shandling slower delivery, more more uh, more withheld delivery mm-hmm. of really almost kind of like snarkily putting out little things that weren't necessarily observations but something that was filtered through them yeah. about the world or about whatever and and Galifianakis did that and that whole just kind of hunched over the piano talking mumbling into a microphone thing yeah. and then you never really knew who he really was yeah. it was always this the beard the beard is that perfect symbol of who he is because you know we've seen it it comes off 
and it's good, not there, and then it goes back on, and it's there. You know, SNL, yeah. he's doing that cousin character, his or whatever, with just yeah. the mustache. The beard comes off, and it's like that whole thing. It's like you don't know who he really is. And then you see him in movies, and, you know, Alan in, in the, the Hangover, and then the, the character from uh, um, Birdman. Dinner for, uh, Bird, I didn't see Birdman yet, but oh, okay. uh, Birdman yet, but uh, Dinner for Schmucks, and, you know, oh, right, the, those yeah. characters. The different, and, 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 even though it's still well within the wheelhouse of who he kind of is, it's still got a versatility to it. And like you said, it's it's a it's a thing where he could do a TV, and he has shown up on TV shows and things like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like you can't just uh, sit back and think, well, stand up is my thing. And that that's that. There are some guys who are so good at stand up. Well, like Augie Smith, he doesn't really care about acting. He doesn't really care about a lot of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. He's just so good at stand up yeah, yeah. that it's like, well, it's. It's, I don't know how we're going to get the world to know about this guy who's the best at stand-up. Yeah. Because he only does stand-up. He only does stand-up. <laughs> he's not doing anything else in these days. You have to do other things for in order because yeah. people don't just watch stand-up like, like, like yeah. we used to. Like we used to sit and watch the right. comedy channel. People like don't do Lu- that anymore. Like Louis C.K. got to be where he is at the top of the mountain today because he got so good at all the other filmmaking aspects. Right. He took entire whole chunks of years off from stand-up yeah. just to learn filmmaking. Right, right, right. Just to do the TV learn show, behind-the-scenes right, stuff. Right, right, Like when working on the Chris Rock show and, right. and just making short films. Sure. Like, so now the only reason he got the con- creative control stuff that he has gotten is because it was cheap. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can direct it, produce it, write it, and edit it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're going to save 300%. Right. Hiring one guy instead of four. Right. Like, that's... The, the bottom line right. in this right. multiverse of you know multimedia is that there isn't enough money to just spread it around Mm-mm. to huge crews. Mm-mm. It's like, and that's 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 a place where I uh, fucked up is you know I came in on the tail end of the old paradigm right, right, right. of thinking stand up was you could just do stand up and that right. was a thing, and right. I didn't spend enough time building other big parts of my right. tool belt. Um, you know, I could have. I got to learn all the stuff about editing and everything. Sure. Because uh, I, I enjoyed what little of that I've done, uh, sound editing, all that kind of stuff, taking more screenwriting classes, you know, at least got final draft a long time ago. All that stuff that you just keep putting off, and you're like, oh, it's too late. Well, maybe it isn't. Well, if it isn't, I can still do it tomorrow. Right. And, right. you know, it's 10 years later and you haven't done it. Um, so I'm behind on that. <laughs> that would be me in stand-up. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Do, doing, opening up for a couple local comedians at my community college, you know, being an MC on a show and writing a few jokes about guest towels and shit like that when I was very young and very early married mm-hmm. at age 20 and, um, you know, sucking hardcore. Although my mom still remembers some of my jokes from back then, but, um, because <laughs> she was there. Um, but, yeah, and then just being in Denver and feeling like, I'm in Denver. I'm never going to be seen or heard by anybody. Yeah, However, the point? everybody in the world says the the worst city to start stand-up in is Los Angeles. Yeah. But if you're going to start, start somewhere else. And I should have, if I could go back in time, I would tell my 20-year-old, I would tell my 17-year-old self, go take those fucking drama classes. Go get in there, audition for every play, audition for yeah. everything. Go in there... Get better at your guitar playing. Go back in. Go do Learn drama and go get a goddamn liberal arts, you know, arts degree. Don't fucking mess with computer science because you're going to hate yourself when you're 45. Right. I think I feel like I just had a therapy session. I hope so. <laughs> but it's like and and there was comedy sports and there was uh, the the um the um what the hell is it called 
the the big comedy club in Denver. Com- comedy Works. Comedy Works. Yeah. There was all that. I could have done that. I could have yeah. been doing that. I could have done those things that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. But I always had these voices of, oh, you're in Denver. No one's ever going to know you. No one's ever going to blah, blah, blah. And I just, yeah. I could have had a career doing the thing that I wanted to do more than anything else. And I've been doing IT shit for 25 years now. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the thing about stand-up itself. Like, there's stand-up in Hollywood, and then there's stand-up in general. Sure. Stand-up in Hollywood is, there's definitely ageism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But stand-up as a trade, as a craft, you only get better as you get older. Oh, sure. And sure. even people, like, I've met a bunch of people who've started stand-up in their 60s. Oh, nice. And here's the advantage of that, is that, A, you're an interesting person by then, mm-hmm. and B, you... You speak your own way. Like, you haven't just been raised on stand-up and then plugged yourself into it, and now you do stand-up like all the people you were influenced by. You're just talking like yourself. Like, you can only be influenced by you at that point. You're, right. Yes. Yeah, so there's a lot of unique voices of people just in their 60s just starting stand-up it's, comedy. It's like that show with the... the the old detective from Colorado Springs, the the murder investigation show where he talks about all these cases that he's had over the years. And he has such a unique voice. He, he, he is, he's not a TV personality. Mm -hmm. He's a detective. Mm -hmm. He's a, he's a police retired police detective. He talks like a retired police detective. He is a retired police detective. Everything you get off of him (laughs) is retired police detective. Yeah. And, and that's compelling. It's totally compelling because it's not just somebody filling in for him or somebody telling his stories. It's like, he's talking about his cases. Yeah. He did. And he, and, and I guess the stand up thing and, and maybe because of the ageism thing that maybe that's a niche that I could have, but I don't want to do like middle aged guy jokes, but either, but well, I'm, but uh, my point is just this stand up will always be there for you. It's true. It's true. Like it doesn't require a group of people. I still enjoy it. Yeah, you can get up and you can get up on a street corner and do it. Yeah, all it requires is just you wanting to do it. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's and that's I think that's a great thing about stand up, and that's what keeps fresh voices entering all the time because you don't have to be young. Well, but pr- stagecraft wise, oh yeah, I mean it is a trade, and there are things that you only learn through years and years and years on stage. Right. So. Um, even some of those folks that are older, I, I do see where, all right, they, they're they still doing hacky premises because they haven't been around stand-up mm-hmm. that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be very interesting people and mm-hmm. have a funny thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they'll it'll still take time for them to move past those phases of still trotting the same subjects and whatever. Uh, but you've been around stand-up enough to know and comedy you'll know what's sure sure you know, i feel like though the, the pool or the 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 box of of what is hacky has gotten much much bigger yeah because so much has been covered sorry. yeah so but much has yeah, already been yeah done. everything's been talked about everything's been done and and those yeah. perspectives and people have stolen jokes and repeated jokes and reworked the same jokes and all that too. yeah yeah exactly well or, i listen to a lot of comedian podcasts and and i've been really enjoying uh jackie and laurie's show because you hear about you hear from male comics all the time, but hearing female comics talk about stand up comedy and talk about their experiences doing it and wanting to do it and what they have to go through in order to do it and mm-hmm. and the, the the bullshit that they go through in order that, that they get from back from people um, just because of the fact that they're women and it, it's 
you know, I, I, I'm in a place, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, I'm in a place where I'm kind of done with white dudes, and I want to hear other stories. Exactly, I want to hear yeah. other perspectives. I want to see other people. Yeah. You know, that's why the new Star Wars movie was so goddamn good, because we had a woman and a black man, and, and women in the background, and other people of color in the background, and stuff, and it wasn't just four white people, you know, four white guys and one woman, and a furry guy and two <laughs> robots. It was a whole universe, a whole panoply of, of the, the depth and breadth of human ex- experience totally. in that film. Film and, and that's what I want more of. I want more of a whole world, a whole, whole a comprehensive view, a worldview of of, yeah. of storytelling. Yeah, and, yeah. And even in stand up too. Yeah, when Kamau's uh, totally biased show was canceled mm-hmm. on FX, I was like, oh man, that sucks because yeah. that was really Kamau cool. Bell, w Kamau Bell. Yeah, yeah that was that such was a good so show. So cool. And luckily, he's got his new CNN thing, yeah, which is yeah, just yeah, starting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he did a great Fresh Air interview the other day about how that devastated him and yeah. um you know oh, they yeah. went to four nights a week from once a week and it was just too much work and pressure anyway and it already it had dashed a lot of his friendships and yeah. so um but yeah the people like that who are bringing in people like Aparna and Sherla and mm-hmm. Dwayne Kennedy and um Hari Kondabalu and mm-hmm, people yeah. with really Kamel Nanjiani that's Kamel another Nanjiani, I mean, yeah. it's so glad that he's doing Silicon Valley because yeah. the exposure for the Meltdown show just widened in tremendously exactly from exactly. from Silicon Valley yeah so yeah stuff like that it's it's very important um, the comedy journey and and you know as a straight white guy in stand up uh, you get lost in the crowd you say. it's like yeah but it's and there, there's really my life is going to be fine that's what's great about being a straight white guy <laughs> yeah yeah it's there's like, a whole okay. a whole slew of shit you don't have to worry about yeah it's like my the the piece of the pie for my demographic is no longer growing or necessarily even stable but it's still a big piece of the pie and even if you know when comedy money is not there other money is still going to be there yeah it's like and the yeah. same can't be said for you know a lot of Sure. You know, even yeah. great Solomon Giorgio, you know, right. to be a gay black man. Right. It's like, you know, when when comedy money isn't coming in the door, it's still hard to find and hold a job. Right. So it's like, I'll be fine either right. way. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah, and then, yeah, and especially in the jo- jobs in the entertainment business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aziz touched on that in uh, uh, Master of None about the whole thing of, like, what, we can't have two Asian guys in the show? We can't have two... It only has to be one. Yeah. You know, you know, it has to be this competition between these guys who are, are versus the billions of white people that are out there. And it's like, you know, and, and I, I find myself more and more sensitive to that, that perspective and wanting to hear more of that perspective mm-hmm. because since day one, I've been spoon fed white people are awesome, you know, and, and since I was a little kid and every, I, I look back on the, on my fandoms and my things that I've been watching and the things that I held most dear to as a kid. And it's just mm-hmm. like this giant white, you know, yeah. Universe of whiteness. And it's just like, wow, you know, yeah. there's other people out there and there's other things going on. And, and, you know, we've, I, I try to give voice and time and, and attention as much as I can mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And yeah, comedy is a great way for people to spread because yeah. they get to talk about, all right, their cultures, mm-hmm. but they also get to talk about what's weird and different about their culture in a way that doesn't mean. So here's how my culture is better than yours. No, it's just, this is yeah. weird. Yeah. Because like, we all have that. We all have things yeah. that, that, that 
even within our own wheelhouse, seem odd and weird and fucked yeah. up and whatever. It doesn't have to be about those guys over there. You can talk about what's going on in here and, well, aren't, you know, aren't white people awesome? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I thought I, about, you know, kind of that perspective in my comedy and stuff, too, about wanting to do more stuff like that and not yet knowing how to approach it because I'm still approaching it comedy from a what's going to make people laugh thing, you know, and that's where everybody starts and yeah. because I haven't done it enough and that's, yeah. I know that too. So yeah. I kind of have the benefit of, of listening to the experience of others and, you know, back in 2000 when you started, there weren't podcasts of comedians talking about the business and, yeah. and, and their, and their craft. Yeah. And I have the benefit of hearing that. And, and a lot of that has forced me to really severely whittle down my stuff to the point where I'm not even doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's yep. like, Nope, oh, not going to work. Vegas Don't need that. There. There's already a million people out there saying that. So Yeah. 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 Um, and culturally, here's where I co-opted black culture is uh, my dad plays jazz drums on my comedy album. Mm, cool. Cool. <laughs> what is the name of your comedy album, please? Uh, number One Grandson. Nice. Nice. Uh, and it's called that because uh, the closing story is a story about uh, my grandma Jordan. Um, she's on her deathbed basically in wisconsin i was there booked to do comedy that same week mm. in madison and uh so we're gathered around the her her bed and um my drunk uncle asked me to tell my grandma a joke <laughs> go on go on dax tell tell your grandma a joke so i that i won't tell any more of the story here because it's sure, its own by the album it's its own bit by the album uh, or just come see me live whatever that too yeah. you'll probably hear it but uh but yeah so it's uh it's dedicated to all my I'm all out of grandparents, so cool. Dedicated to them. Um and I'm definitely not the number one grandson of the mm. family. But <laughs> I mean that's okay. Uh but my dad plays drums on it because he's always wanted to somehow be a part of my act. That's awesome. And that's really cool. When I was in uh up in Portland uh a summer and a half ago, uh it was about a year and a half ago, I spent the whole summer up in Portland. Um you know, staying with my folks and I realized uh, so someone put on a comedy show in a recording studio. Oh, okay. And I was part of that comedy show early in the summer. I thought, well, I need to record a new album. This is a recording studio hmm. that had forty chairs and a comedy audience in it. This Ding. is where I'm going to record my comedy album. And hey, wait a minute! Since it's a recording studio, this means my dad could actually play drums on it, and we could have it all work out. So we spent the whole summer rehearsing bits together, and he comes in and out throughout the thing, and Fantastic. does you know we have kind of a little back and forth, and it's it's all specific to the bits. That's cool. That's we cool. did a couple of live gigs warming up for it. Um, yeah, it was super neat. It was super neat. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I, I I did an episode with my dad last uh, last fall, oh, and because nice. uh, he came out for a visit for a long weekend, and we sat down and just shot the shit about him and his life and everything, nice. and and. It was that. That's still one of my favorite episodes because it was just talking to my dad. You know, yeah, it's cool. It's that's cool. great. That's great. That's really cool. So um, yeah, where can people it. find your your album? Uh, it's uh, on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, you can also listen to it on Spotify. Cool. But, you know, you should buy a copy. Yes, everyone. Yeah, I, I'm actually planning on doing that myself. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet. Um, <laughs> I have to find my thing to wrap up this thing here. That's um, right. Where can people find you online other than that 
uh, plug your other stuff. Sure, your uh, other presences. Is- yeah, I'm uh, I'm okay on Twitter at Dax Jordan. I'm a Facebook fan page, and my regular my regular personal page isn't filled up yet, so you might as well cool. like on that one. Um, and DaxJordan.com usually has news and clips and updates and links to the album and all that. Are you are you managing that website yourself, or do you have a person? Yeah, no, I just do it through Wix. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, ours is cheap on and WordPress, easy. so yeah. Uh, doing the thing cheap and cool. easy cool well thanks thanks for your time man this has been really cool well, and uh, and I, I absolutely adore having you and your dad on to talk when he's here this summer that, that would be, be just nifty difty I'm sure he'd love to do it that would be cool thanks yeah. for your time I really appreciate it man thank you I'm at St. Michael on Twitter that's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L Check out our blog, listen to past episodes on something2xp.net. We are everywhere online as something2xp. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Stitcher. Listen to us on, uh, like us on Facebook and Google Plus. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your host, Michael John Simpson. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Ciceri. Please visit our website and blog at something2xp.net. You can find us online everywhere as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and find us now on Google Play Music. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and like us on Facebook and Google+. Please help support our podcast and get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.